Thank you for tuning in to Cobblestone Community Church today. We hope this message blesses you. If you need prayer for anything, please email us at prayer at cobblestonechurch.com. Now here's the message. And we don't want to treat Jesus like he's dead, right? And that's kind of the theme of last week and even this week. But do we really realize what this day means? Because early Christians, they didn't show up and begin with the people who believed something. The earliest Christians, they weren't like marching against Rome and going out into the cities and proclaiming, hey, don't say shucky darn. They weren't going out there and preaching morality. They were going out there and preaching one thing. We saw a man rise from the dead. That was the message. That's the whole hinging of Christianity. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we are stupid, but he did. Jesus is alive right now. So when I ask him to heal you, he can. When I ask him, save me, he does. And really, that's the whole thrust of this message is if the resurrection of Jesus happened, it should change everything about you and me. It should change how we live, how we think, how we do marriage, how we spend our money, how we have sex, all of it. Did he say sex? I did. It changes everything. It changes everything. And if Jesus isn't alive, let's do something different. And so I want to bring you today to John chapter 20 in the Bible, which we call God's Word. So grab one. If you don't have it, there's a bunch along these walls. I love it when people actually open it up, and I'll challenge you to do a thing. Read it this week. You're like, duh. You'd be surprised how many of us don't. And I want you to read the Gospel of John, and the Gospel of John is the story of Jesus from the perspective of the Apostle John, the one who is called a friend of Jesus, who loves Jesus. He's always putting those humble brags in his gospel. But I love the thing about John is when John talks about Jesus, it's like a friend. It's like somebody that loved him and knew him and wants to just tell you the best news he could tell you. And so here's what the challenge is. Read it this week, not to learn that you shouldn't murder people or that God's mad at you because you're not righteous enough. Read the Bible this week to find a person, to find Jesus. He's findable. God's not hiding from you. He went through great lengths to come to earth as a baby, born of a virgin, live a righteous life, and die a death you deserve that you could know God. So if all this doesn't lead you to know God, stop doing this. Let's know God. And when I get to John 20, once again, they didn't start with, hey, believe this. They said, we saw him alive. He was dead, now he's alive. It wasn't about politics, it wasn't about morals, it wasn't about new ethics, it was about Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And here's what I've come to realize, this sermon's actually not for non-Christians. What I've come to realize over this about 15 years that I've been doing ministry is, uh, the church is full of believers who are full of doubt. We believe, but we doubt. We believe that Jesus, a man 2,000 years ago, Nazarene Galilean died, uh, but then we're kind of doubtful of like, is he gonna do anything now? We're kind of even like, I hope I get to heaven. So there's this belief in the church that is hampered by doubt. So take all of that this week and stare at the man Jesus. Because John 20, 30, 30 through 31 John tells us why he wrote what he wrote. And out of that, this two verses, 
I believe God's going to call many of you today to do something with Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. I love the Bible for things like that. So Jesus just did a bunch of stuff they didn't even write down. Who knows that he went to a bunch of weddings and he was just like, wine. You know, I don't know. I don't know if that's what Jesus was doing, but apparently the the disciples saw Jesus do a ton of things. Things like he healed people. Those are written down. Lepers came to Jesus and he said, you are made clean, go and be made whole. Jesus looked at people with demonic presences in them and they shrieked and he said, get out of them, and they did. Jesus looked at women caught in adultery and said, is no one here to condemn you? Neither do I. Jesus ate with sinners, sat with broken people and declared the kingdom of God had come. So these things we know some of, but some of them, and I just love that idea that Jesus did so many things they didn't even write down, but the ones that he did write down, why did he write them down? Because ultimately the end, the book end to John's gospel is, if everything that was written down that Jesus Christ did, all the libraries in the world couldn't hold the books. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Those four things are what I want to talk about. I'm going to go quick and then I'm going to give you an opportunity to give Jesus your whole life. Not a part of it, but the whole daggone thing. So he starts off with, I wrote these things that you might, may believe. Now, belief's a weird thing in our culture right now, because I'll make a statement. I believe Krispy Kreme donuts are the best donuts. Is that what he's talking about? I believe in Tiger Woods. Like, you know, we, we make a lot of belief statements, I believe chalupas are the best taco at Taco Bell. Like these are, we, and so what's come in our culture is we are constantly putting out beliefs, constantly saying things we believe, constantly fighting, well, that's your belief, but this is my belief. But there are true beliefs. And when the apostle John says, I wrote these that you might believe, he's talking about when Jesus says, I'm the bread of life, will you come to him and eat what he's offering? When Jesus says, come to me, any of you who are weary, and I'll give you rest for your souls, will we do it? When Jesus says, you must be born again, or you can't see the kingdom of God, do we take him at his word and do we believe him? So belief's a weird thing because I can tell you, I believe Napoleon was a real man. That doesn't do anything for my soul. So he's not talking about mental attestation. I'm not just saying, I believe the facts. I believe about 2,000 years ago, a Jewish dude died. I'm saying, do you trust in what he did? Have you put your full weight of faith? Like, I believe that Jesus Christ walked the earth. I believe that Jesus Christ physically healed people. I believe his death is not a metaphor that you can overcome the things that are. I believe Jesus physically rose from the dead. And that in that act, he removed all separating lines between me and God. And that when I came to Jesus, he restored my soul. Because what you need to understand is when we come to Jesus, we're declaring that he is the Christ. That we may believe he is Jesus Christ. Now, some of you are like, I thought that was his name. Jesus Christ. Some of you use that as a cuss word. Jesus Christ. The Christ, that's a title. 
And the Christ in Greek would mean anointed. It would mean chosen. It would mean a lot like God put his hand upon Jesus to do the work that he was called to do. We have that idea all the way through Scripture. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and then he creates humans, Adam and Eve. It takes three chapters before they disobey God and basically in one act declare, we want to be God over our life, not you. That is the plague of humanity. We want to be God, not him. And so God right then promises Adam and Eve, I'm going to send a Messiah, which is what the word Christ means in Hebrew. I'm going to send a Savior. I'm going to send a solution. I'm going to send somebody who my hand will be upon, who will show off the kingdom of God, who will sit on the throne of David, who will live a life you can't live, and he will take the sins from the people. Jesus Christ is not just his name, it's a title. And really, when I look at the Bible, go to John 1, because John 20 is the end of John. John 1, he's starting to tell us who Jesus is. And he says for, in verse 16, for from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Christ Jesus, Jesus Christ. For from his fullness, and he's talking about Jesus. So who Jesus is out of his life and out of who he is comes grace upon grace upon grace. So not only does he save us so that we can go to heaven, he fills us with his very spirit. Not only does he save us and fill us with the spirit, he allows us to come before his throne and talk to him in prayer. Not only does he allow us to pray, he gives us promises. Not only does he give us promises, but he's with us forever. We're never alone. Not only, I mean, there's grace upon grace upon grace upon grace in Jesus Christ. And then he says something that I think a lot of us, I'm gonna say everybody in this room is very aware of the law. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So Genesis 3, Adam and Eve kind of plunge humanity into a broken place. God's here, humanity's here. You can't bridge that gap, I can't bridge that gap. And what happens is God comes to a man named Abraham, God comes to him a man named Moses. Now if you've watched The Prince of Egypt, I think it's a fascinating animated film. Moses goes up the mountain and he brings down what? The Ten Commandments, written by the very finger of God. Do you know what the very first commandment is? I know you're like, Sunday school, I didn't know they was gonna ask questions, I'm so nervous. Don't have any other gods before or besides me. Now the other ones you're all really aware of because I believe everybody in this room at some level, you think God's mad at you. So I'll just ask you some questions. Anybody murder anybody this week? Because we know that one, right? Don't murder, thou shalt not murder. Anybody? Well, there's a police officer. You can meet him. Right? There's, there's things in there in the Ten Commandments like, hey, don't covet your neighbor's wife or house. Don't want what they have and long for it jealously. So we know the law, and some of us right now, you walked into this room like, I know God's mad at me because I can't watch my mouth. I know God's mad at me because I'm not a very good husband. I know God's mad at me because I, I ignored him this week. But the rest of the verse says, well, the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So what the law was supposed to be was a mirror. And this is what I mean. Nobody murdered anybody this week, right? Jesus Christ, the Christ, the Son of God, shows up on earth 
and he is perfectly sin, sinless. Doesn't sin at all. And he begins to interact with real life people. And he says, you've heard that it said you shouldn't murder people. And they're all like, yeah, we didn't do that. And then he says, but I'll tell you that if you look at anyone with judgment in your heart, you're murdering them. So how are we doing now? Anybody? You want to, let's do it. Anybody murder anybody in their heart this week? I mean, you drove here. You did. Some of you are married. You definitely did. Like, you know what I mean? So Jesus goes and goes, here's the law. It shows you that you're incapable because what we don't realize is sin is not out here, things you do. Sin's right here. So where did Jesus point? Where does murder come from? The heart. He goes, you've heard it said you shouldn't commit adultery. But I tell you, this is Jesus' words, but I tell you that if you look lustfully upon a woman, you're committing adultery with you, where? In your heart. So Jesus shows up and he goes, I know you know the law. I know it's shown you that you can't. I know you're tired of sacrificing animals. I'm gonna be the sacrifice that's not gonna deal with the externals. Like, don't just, he's not worried about you not cussing and not murdering. He's like, I want your heart. Do you know why you have a bad mouth? Where do your words come from? Your heart. You know why you have an anger problem? Your heart. You know why you have pride and lust and greed and every kind of flavor of sin? Your heart. And so Jesus shows up in a world that knew the law. They were good at it. And he goes, it's not about the law, it's about your heart. Do you want a new one? And the thing is, you can't fix your heart. You can't change your soul. Go ahead and do it. Didn't work. And so Jesus Christ, the son of God, the anointed one, the one that God was like, you're gonna do it. You're gonna come live a life they can't live. They can't honor God. The law shows them they can't. And he did. And he was perfectly sinless. And then he goes on a cross. And I should have been on the cross. For the way that I treated the God of all creation, I should have been on a cross. I deserve to be punished for the things I said, the way that I treated God's people, the way that I was against the things of God. I should have been, but Jesus did. And then God punishes him instead of me. And three days later, he rises from the dead. And then years later, about 2017, he comes to me on an island and he goes, Andrew, do you want me to give you a new heart? And I was like, not after all I've done. He's like, no, come to me, son. And I was made new. And maybe that's your story, but maybe it's not. And I know that Jesus Christ can save anybody in this room. There's not a flavor of sin. I've said this before. If you stumbled in here from Brick Street, Jesus can save you. There's no flavor of sin that I'm afraid of or makes him blush. But you will have to acknowledge my heart is sinful and what's coming out of it is sin. Will you save me? Will you make me new? Will you give me a new heart? This is what has happened with Jesus. The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So the truth is, your heart's sinful. The grace is, Jesus took care of it if you'll let him. Grace and truth. So Jesus, he says, I wrote this that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, the, the Savior that was chosen to redeem all of humanity that was broken all the way in Genesis chapter 3. But not only is he the Christ, he is the Son of God. 
literally, of God. Him and God, same substance. So when Jesus shows up on the earth, John's going to say in verse 18 of chapter one, no one has ever seen God. So let's do this. Anybody ever seen God? I would love somebody to raise their hand. I'm like, what does he look like? John says you don't see him. He's an invisible, holy, other God. No one's seen him, the only God who's at the Father's side. He has made him known. In the New Living Translation, which makes it a little more readable, it says no one has ever seen God but the unique one who is, is himself God and is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. This is why I say God's not hiding from you because Jesus Christ shows off what he's like. Do you wanna know what God, how God treats women? Look at Jesus. Do you wanna know how God thinks and cares for orphans, widows, and the poor? Look at Jesus. Do you wanna know what God thinks about justice? Look at Jesus. Do you wanna know what God is like? Look at the incarnate son of God. Study Jesus. He's real and he rose from the dead and right now he's sitting on a throne at the right hand of the Father, and you can know him. In this room, the power of God will come. Like I just have full expectancy at the end of the service. And if you are a sinner and your heart is broken, he will give you a new one if you come to him. But you must come to him. Jesus is the son of God. And I love when I get out on the street and I start having conversations with people and they wanna fight about some Old Testament law. Why does it say don't boil a goat in its mother's milk? I'm like, I don't know. But I do know this. If you wanna know what God's like, look at Jesus. And he's beautiful, wonderful. He sits with people that are broken and he says to them, hey, do you wanna be made whole? He sits with people that have no business sitting with God and he sits with them. And he pronounces, the kingdom has come close to you. Jesus shows us what God's like. And so if, if he's dead, what are we doing? I wrote this that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Life, and I mean the real life. You were made, I mean God designed humans to walk with God, to be friends with him. I mean, the beginning of Genesis is they walked with God in the cool of the day. Jesus shows up and they call him God with us. The spirit comes and it's God in us. Once, when we get to heaven, it'll be, we are with God in his city. The whole thing, this whole thing is about a creator God who we call our father that wants to live with us that wants to know us, that wants his kids back in the house. That's the heart of a father, right? Kids that run away, fathers, you should be like, I want my kids in my house. God wants his people, and by believing, you may have life in his name, spiritual, eternal, here and there, life. I have never found anything that's better than Jesus. This is gonna be, you're gonna be like, I've never done a drug that's better than Jesus. I've never found a woman that's better than Jesus. Sorry, women. I've never found anything that, everything pales in comparison to his love, his grace, his presence, his power, his life, his kingdom. Jesus literally is the creator of life. 
This is what John tells us at the beginning of his gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh. The very breath of God put on skin to save us. And he's alive. So by believing, not just mentally going, I believe you're out there, but believing, trusting in the work, teaching, and life of Jesus, I will be saved. I will have life. So since I'll... You were created to walk in relationship with God. That's life. If you're not walking in relationship with God, you're not experiencing real life. You're experiencing a broken form of it. You're experiencing some kind of half version of it. Spiritually, your heart is dead and Jesus wants to make it alive. I'll even read the words of Jesus to you. John 10, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and he will find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus did that, right? Lays his life down for us. And now he, co- he comes and he bids us, will you follow me? Will you come to me? Will you eat? I, he says, I am the bread of life. I am living water. Do you want that? And some of us, were so used to coming to church environments and going, he is risen. That's why I'm like, forget all that. In a quiet room, are you proclaiming with your mouth the thing you're not living? Because this is the thing about belief. Our behavior betrays it. What you actually believe, you live. So if someone told you, hey, I believe hard work's important, but they take naps in the middle of their workday, what would that betray? That they're tired and need a siesta. If someone tells you that they have been saved by the infinite, holy, omniscient God of the universe and filled with his very spirit and they don't pray, what would that tell you? What would it tell you? That we're very comfortable saying we believe things with our mouth, but really we need the work of God to do something in our hearts. That's why I said this message is more for Christians. So I'll say it this way. What could you expect from a dead man? What do you expect from dead people? If you're thinking like, duh, moron, nothing, that's the point. And what I find with Jesus is so much of us, and this is my life, like you find that new baby Christian and they're like, he saved me. And I'm like, yeah, he did. And then what happens? My faith for many years, it started out here. And then you sit in enough hospital rooms and your faith kind of like, and then your dad gets cancer and dies and you're like, then your marriage falls apart. You're like, that's not me. That's just an example. And it's like, I heard you say, I love you. Do do you see how faith starts here? We're like, I believe in the son of God. He is risen indeed and we're declaring it and we're walking in it and we're praying it and we're talking it and we're living it and then life happens and slowly we're like saying a thing we barely believe. Let me me show you what we could expect from a dead man. I'm gonna play a, a clip for you. It's actually on my cell phone. It's a voicemail. Hey, Andrew, this is dad. Call mom's phone, please. Oh, mom's phone. Thanks. I love you. Bye-bye. That is the last voicemail my father sent me. It's on my phone. I can play it. Do you know what else I can expect from him? Nothing. And you're like, that's calloused. He's not, if he shows up through this door right now, we're going to freak out. 
I'm going to freak out. If I get a phone call from my dad, that's not, I don't expect dead men to speak. I don't expect dead men to show up at any point in time. I don't expect dead men to do anything. And what I found is that the, Christi- the Christianity that I've, I've lived in and in the places that I've dwelt in, we say a lot, but we live a very tame, dead, neutered faith. But our Jesus isn't dead, I thought. I thought that's why we gathered this morning to say he's alive, which means he could speak at any moment, which means he could show up in this room at any second which means he really is dwelling in the midst of his people. His promises are yes and amen. Why? Because a dead man died. A a guy died. Jesus died. And three days later, he rose from the dead. That is the message of Christianity. It rises and falls on that one thing. Not if we're better morally. Half the time, we're not. Not if we have all the right answers. Most of the time, we don't know. One thing. Our Savior died for us and rose from the dead, showing us that he has the keys to death and sin and life itself. And if you come to him, you get life. And if you don't, you just walk in a half form. So will we walk with him? Because right now in this room, because he's alive, I believe salvation can take place. You can be saved and made new in your heart, in your spirit, in your soul. I believe healing can happen. This is why when Ed's like, I really feel like God wants to heal people, I'm like, yeah, because he's alive. And what did Jesus do when he was alive? Healed people. And I'm like, right now, God, you might have some dark presence in you. You know who gets rid of dark presences? Jesus Christ and his spirit. This is the beauty of the gospel is our Lord isn't dead. And so three years ago, I was living almost like, I, I could give you the right answers, but I was praying you're like, you're a pastor, you're not supposed to say it. I wasn't as much, like, you, my belief was betrayed by my life. And then in a room kind of like this, living God reached down, and all, I don't know what, I don't know what he did, he just like shook me, and he was like, I'm alive, moron. And I was like, you are, right? And so my joy this morning isn't to put a bunch of rules and the law on you. Jesus fulfilled the law. And the only way you're going to live a righteous life is if you come to Jesus today and allow him to give you a new heart. But he said he'd freely do that if you come. But most of us, I know that. I've heard that. That's why I say there's got to be a supernatural act today where God's spirit comes in and makes this alive in us. So what I like to do, I like to do this a lot. I like to actually stop and ask God for his presence. Ask God to come into this room. And I know you Bible nerds are like, he's already here, omniscience much? I'm like, I know, nerd. God is everywhere, but there are moments where he pulls back the veil and shows you that he's surely somewhere. And I just want to invite him, and then we'll close this with giving you an opportunity to worship or confess or give your life to the Lord for the first time. So Jesus, I ask for your presence. Come and fill this room, Father. Do it like an axe where there's 120 people waiting in a room because you told them to be there. And they had seen you alive, and so they waited, and then you filled them with power and life. I pray for the person that doesn't think you're there. 
Will you call them right now? Would you put your power and life and presence upon them? Yeah, Lord, we, we, we turn our attention to you. You're the living God. And although the word says we can't see you, I, I know that I felt you. I know that your spirit is sweet. I know that if I'll stop long enough, you always show up. So just with that same attitude, I'm, I'm just going to close with a couple thoughts. Throughout the Gospel of John, John talks about a way of knowing Jesus that surpasses just a physical knowledge. He's going to say things like, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and the light of the Son of God, we saw it. It was dark, and then it was light. It's kind of like if you'd been blind your whole life, and then all of a sudden you could see. How would you explain that? You wouldn't theoretically be able to explain how light travels in prisms. You'd just be like, I was blind, and now I can see. This is this, and Jesus heals a man born blind. And everyone loses their mind. And they're like, how'd this happen? Why did they do that? And they're fighting, and finally the blind man's like, shut up, y'all. I don't know. I don't know who he is. I don't know where he comes from, but this is what I know. I was blind, and now I can see. If you want to know this, this idea, go into YouTube after this and type in deaf child can hear for the first time. How would that child explain they could hear? They could hear. And so I know, and this is going to sound like a brag, it's not. I can lay out to you the evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Why are we even sitting in this room talking about it if it didn't impact history so much that this moment's possible? I can tell you the things that I've heard in every Easter sermon, that the disciples who were cowards became bold proclaimers that they had seen Jesus alive. Why? I can tell you that Josephus, a non-New Testament writing historian, Jewish historian, said Jesus was real. They know about the stories and they saw the power of God. I can tell you, I can lay out the evidence of history, of archaeology, the resurrection. I mean, it's like a pebble in a pond rippling out. We are products of it rippling out, of people going, we saw it, but they weren't saying we learned a new system of ethics or a new, but they're saying we encountered a person. We were blind, but now we see. So I'll just say some statements, and if you can agree with them, I just want you to raise your hand. In Jesus Christ, I finally learned what peace is. In Jesus Christ, I finally got guilt off of me and shame off of me, and I found righteousness. I'm doing all of them. Right? In Jesus, I found life. See, this is our story. It's not we got the right answers or we're morally superior. It's we met a person and he made us new. This is the gospel, that God loves people so much that he sent his only son, that he died your death, to bring you back into a relationship with him. That's possible right now in this room. Actually, anything's possible because he's still alive. And I love following Jesus and a God that anything's possible. So what we're gonna do, we're gonna respond to that God. Some of you, you need to get on your face and go, God, I'm sorry that I've just ignored you. 
Others of you, you need to just yell worship to God. So I'm going to put us back in this place of just being aware of his presence. The band's going to come up, and we're going to worship. They're going to worship one song, and then the same thing's going to happen that happened at the beginning of the service. The prayer teams are going to line up front, and as soon as that first song's done, and you feel a call from the Lord, maybe you're a Christian, and you're like, I, want, I need to give God everything. Come give him everything. Maybe you've never come to Jesus and said, Jesus, forgive me of my sin and give me a new heart. Come and do that. Maybe you have physical healing you need. Come and ask for it. I don't know what it is. Respond to God. Respond to him. He did everything to save you. You have to come to him. That's, there's just one step. God, save me. So Lord, we just stop again. And I thank you for your word. I thank you that he is risen is not just a cliche thing we yell once a year. It is a truth that I trust and I put my whole life on. I believe it so every cell of my body that you are alive. You are in this place. And that the one that feels very far away from you, you want to save them. You want to bring them to yourself. For the one that maybe is like me and their faith has started to wane, I pray the resurrection of Jesus Christ would become a living reality this day. We respond to you, God. You are not dead. You are very much alive. Would you roar in this room? Would you break every chain and demonic thing? Would you heal diseases? Would salvation spring up from the ground because you, God, are the God who is mighty to save? Would you come and may we be your people who know who our God is? Forgive me and forgive us for half faith. You are risen indeed. You are alive. So I'm going to drop you off right there in prayer, church, and I want you to respond. If it's coming to kneel, coming to get prayer right after this song, if it's coming and laying, I don't, whatever. If it's about God, you do it. Thank you for joining us today. If you need prayer for anything, you can email us at prayer at cobblestonechurch.com or you can go on our website at www.cobblestonechurch.com and submit it there. We'd love to pray for you. Have a great week and God bless.